Welcome to Dave's Daily Crypto Take. Today is Sunday, June 27th, 2021. Let's take a look at today's charts. We got BTC at number one, $33,273, up 5.79%. Ethereum at number two, $1,848, up 4.4%. Tether at number three, $1. Finance Coin at number four, $278.63, 1.13% up. Cardano at number five, $1.26, 1.7% up. Dogecoin at number six, uh, 24 cents up 1.93%. XRP at number seven, 61 cents, 1.48% up. USD coin at number eight, $1. Polkadot at number nine, $14.39, up 0.41%. And Binance coin at number 10. $1. So let's take a look at the crypto fear and greed index. Extreme fear can be a sign that investors are too worried. That could be a buying opportunity. And when investors are getting too greedy, that means that the market is due for a correction. Today is extreme fear at 22. Yesterday was extreme fear at 20. Last week, extreme fear at 21. And last month at this time, extreme fear at 21 as well. So, uh, before we start, I just want to say thank you to all the subscribers and listeners. Uh, we've been on our two-week journey so far. I want to still keep up the numbers. I still want to give you the news and updates. So please try and like, share, and subscribe. The more listeners, the more watchers, the more content I can give you. So again, thank you very much. All right. So let's take a look at the table of contents. We got about six articles. Article number one is the amazing billion-dollar DAO. At number two, can Bitcoin and Ethereum survive this scare? At number three, crypto exchange Binance says it will no longer serve Ontario users. At number four, does JP Morgan have a leg to stand on when it talks about Bitcoin? Number five, American rapper The Game charged for promoting scam ICO. At number six, should traders expect Bitcoin to fall to $24,000. And the main topic for today is why crypto will likely go crazy again in July. All right, let's go ahead and get to the first one, the amazing billion dollar DAO. Derivatives exchange Bybit has committed a billion dollars annually to BitDAO, the new DeFi focused DAO funded by Peter Thiel and other prominent investors. Here's why. So, while the entire world is digesting the recent crypto mining and trading crackdown in China, Bybit, a China-born derivatives exchange now headquartered in Singapore, launched its latest and potentially greatest incarnation, BitDAO. Backed by prominent investors such as Peter Thiel and his founders fund, Pantera Capital and Dragonfly Capital, the DAO raised $230 million on its promise to support and turbocharge decentralized finance. Bybit's rise and its pivot to BitDAO might seem like an overnight sensation, but in reality, the derivatives exchange made a very deliberate decision to leave China a year ago when it shut down its local operations and focused its efforts on courting international retail investors. The move into a DAO makes sense when we look at its journey thus far. So how did Bybit grow from a little-known China-based exchange to a global giant whose daily trading volume frequently topped $10 billion over the past few years. Uh, 
For this week's dubbing, I talked to Ben Zhao, co-founder and CEO of Bybit, and chatted about the rise of the exchange and why its move to a DAO was inevitable. So from 5% of BitMEX volume to 10x BitMEX volume, Zhao, who was born in Liaoning province but went to college in the U.S., got into crypto as a part-time content creator and YouTube influencer. He quickly amassed tens of thousands of followers and carved out a specialty analyzing various ICO projects in 2017. When the market crashed in 2017, Zhao realized that his best shot in crypto wasn't content creation. It was rethinking how to make crypto derivatives exchanges more accessible. As a former Forex exchange operator, the interfaces on the then popular derivative exchanges such as BitMEX and OKEX uh, struck him as window 95-ish. He decided to launch a crypto derivatives exchange that looked and felt as modern as crypto itself. We started in April 2018 and went online in December 2018. Zhao told me all of us lived in the same apartment and worked 24-7. Fundraising was the hardest. We met with over 100 VCs, but only managed to raise from friends and family. Crypto derivatives exchanges allow traders to go long or short a crypto without holding spot assets. Bybit is known for offering highly leveraged perpetual contracts, which are derivatives without an expiration date. Zhao's big break came in March 2019, when the bear market finally eased and Bybit broke even for the first time. We tried to raise more in 2019 by promising investors that by 2020, we'd surpass 5% of BitMEX's trading volume. But it turned out that in 2020, we surpassed BitMEX, and now we are trading 10x of BitMEX's volume, Zhao told me proudly. The key to Bybit's early growth was its influencer marketing program. When we were small, it was impossible to spend money on marketing. The best way to onboard new users was through promoters and revenue sharing. Zhao said, when I realized that both BitMEX and OKX have opaque reporting around the bonus programs for the referral programs, I knew we had a chance to win. This insight pushed Zhao to devote the majority of engineering resources early on to build the best customer relationship management platform, CRM, like Salesforce, for influencers who could make money by promoting Bybit to their audiences. Its CRM tool is sophisticated enough to allow promoters to view traffic generated by their social media posts, break down their commission by region, and even provide advanced analytics of their audience's behavior. That's not so different from the tools TikTok provides to its influencers. But back then in the crypto world, Bybit was unique in its offering and relentless focus on retailers. Data transparency is key to promoters. They have to know that they are treated fairly and can make a living by being a full-time Bybit advocate, Zhao said. In those early days, 60% of Bybit's volume came from affiliate marketing. Over time, as Bybit established its brand, the affiliate marketing volume dropped to 20 to 30% as the site became stronger. Impressively, it was among the only exchanges to have 100% uptime during last month's market volatility. Bybit decided to leave China in June 2020. To outsiders, it might have seemed crazy for Bybit to leave one of the largest retail markets in the world. But Zhao and his team realized that crypto trading had become a very endangered species in China. We had two choices. 
If we stayed in China, we would be closer to the Chinese retail market and have access to millions of new customers. But the downside was that good engineers, especially those who were ex-Alibaba and ex-Tencent, were all wary of joining a Chinese exchange. So the company decamped to offices in Singapore, Hong Kong, and the Philippines, and other places throughout Asia. Only a handful of R&D resources are still contracted in China, he said. Choosing to serve the international market wasn't particularly easy, but the affiliated marketing program worked out well. The promoters became Bybit's ambassadors well beyond China. Indeed, its biggest user base as now in Germany, England, Malaysia, South and North Korea, as well as Japan. The growth path was not all rosy, however. Over the years, Bybit's aggressive push into the retail trading space and its notoriously high leverage up to 100x caused regulators to crack down on exchange. Both the UK's Financial Conduct Authority and Ontario Securities Commission banned Bybit from offering services to its citizens. The company has compiled and halted its business there. There's really nothing we could do, but it also illustrates the importance of decentralized exchanges, Zhao told me. Like Binance, Bybit faced two paths, and I was here and I would like to play on words. Tao means path and is pronounced Tao. Hence, Bybit faced two DAOs. One path was to become regulated, which is the direction that Binance took. The other DAO was the path of decentralization via a decentralized autonomous organization, DAO, which is actually the most Taoist path there is. That's the path of Bybit took. Zhao believed that decentralized yields more potential because it's bigger playing field. And that's how BitDAO came to be born. If we want to turn our business from billions to trillions, we cannot exist in a company form, but a social phenomena form, Zhao told me, somewhat mystically. Though it's early days, we can see a hint of what Zhao ultimately hopes to achieve. The traditional Web2 approach that most exchanges took was launching native tokens as a way to transact, pay for services, and maintain control, as well as the lion's share of the business. But BitDAO's native token is a governance token that puts the community not by Bybit in control. DAOs are the latest sexy trend in crypto. The basic idea is that a group of smart people, all of whom with skin in the game via governance token, are better able to sort through fast moving and voluminous amounts of information and make decisions than a small group of experts. Every crypto startup either has... Uh, launched or is launching a DAO, though, ironically, many are still backed by Silicon Valley investors. So what makes BitDAO a true DAO? For Zhao, BitDAO is first and foremost an organization with a voting structure. He aspires to build an organization that will work with protocols and projects built on any legitimate blockchain. To start with, he's committed 0.025% of Bybit's total trading volume to BitDAO's treasury. Given its recent data, that donation could exceed $1 billion per year. So everyone can see our volume on CoinGecko and calculate our contribution. There's no hiding or confusion, Zhao said. With that fund and the newly raised capital, Zhao wants to solve DeFi startups' three biggest problems, funding, R&D, and liquidity. I think R&D sits at the heart of crypto going big, he said. I want to be able to support engineers who want to leave Microsoft and Google and be able to work full-time in crypto. But BitDAO isn't a nonprofit. 
it's still looking for a return to investors. So how does that work? The answer is that by investing and swapping its treasury tokens with favorite projects tokens, BitDAO could eventually become a sort of crypto industry-wide ETF, a safer way for investors to participate in the most interesting new projects that emerge in crypto. And that might be the ultimate reason why investors such as Peter Thiel invested in DAO. The DAO is an efficient way to amass as many tokens as it can, distributed among the most promising new projects in the hot and fertile DeFi ecosystem. Needless to say, BitDAO will be competing with other VCs and market makers. It's not clear whether the DAO's wisdom of the crowd approach, plus an enormous amount of funds and its close ties with the money printer, Bybit, will give it an edge over a handful of super savvy investors moving fast and calling the shots. But maybe it's just like 2020, when Zhao had the foresight to leave China. By DAOing itself, Bybit is leaving the centralized web for the potentially safer, smarter world of Web3. And perhaps this is yet another foresight Zhao will be glad to have had in the future. So China has a history of redefining technology. It redefined what the internet is with this firewall. And now it's redefining what NFTs are. What the Chinese characteristic, no public ledger and no reselling rights Alipay unveiled a novel use of NFTs and is using them as skins for user profiles when they make transactions. I guess it's cute. We will just have to get to used to NFTs being literal JPEGs in China now. The pain is real. Chinese miners, including those in Sichuan province, are now in a state of despair. Miners have to decide whether to hold a fire sale and leave or flee abroad. No one expected the severity of the recent crackdown, and there are two dominant theories. The pessimistic one states that Bitcoin has left China forever. The optimistic one hopes that once the crackdown recedes, small mining farms will resume. Bitcoin is unlikely to disappear from China. Me, I'm optimistic. Long term, we have an old saying which means when there are orders from above, there are countermeasures from below. Given blockchain's permissionless nature, the Chinese will eventually find a way to jump over the firewall and access crypto. So there you guys have it. What do you guys think about the amazing billion dollar DAO? Comment down below and let me know what you think. Let's move on to article number two. It says, can Bitcoin and Ethereum survive this scare? So. After three days of sustained recovery, Bitcoin and Ethereum fell prey to strong bearish pressure yet again as Ethereum clocked in a value near its recent low of $1,700. For Bitcoin, that asset hovered just above 30,000 US. As press time as fear loomed large in the industry over a new low, while the markets were slowly turning long-term bearish, the direction was still identified in the short term. In order to identify drop zones or possible recovery forward, we looked at the active liquidation map to understand traders' current expectations. Liquidation pool at a higher range for Bitcoin, Ethereum, while bears have the advantage at the moment. The prices of Bitcoin, Ethereum, remain inside a range, which one could be a potential bottom before the price picks up again. Now, while the possibility is reducing with each passing day, According to data, more liquidity is showing up at higher prices. The importance of liquidity during such times is high because price action follows the capital pools, uh, 
So whenever orders are set in any direction up or down, the price approaches that value over time. And once the price approaches, these capital pools, traders, usually add more margin or liquidate more in their positions. So now when analyzing the attached chart for Bitcoin and Ethereum, it was identified that Ether had a strong capital pool range at $2,200. Similarly, there were also a strong liquidity zone between $1,700 and $1,800. One where the coin resided at press time. The interference that can be drawn from this narrative is that Ethereum could potentially reverse this range as price action will be dragged towards the liquidity project and pocket. Similarly, for Bitcoin, a huge liquidity pocket was observed in the range of 36 to 39,000 with 1.3K Bitcoin. So it is likely to move above yet again. At press time, Bitcoin futures rolling three-month basis had undergone a strong reset on Binance and Durbit, a finding that meant that spreading and between spot and futures has dropped. Now it came down with a massive decline over the last few days. So there might be more freedom to the price movements. However, Bitcoin is playing with fire at the moment as its weekly candle comes to a conclusion ranging just above the demand zone. Support range of $28,130 to $30,130 has been held since the beginning of 2021. Failure to uphold this level going into next week would open the floodgates and the bulls would be slaughtered under bearish pressure. Right now, it is imperative that Bitcoin closes the weekly candle above $30,130 in the next 24 hours, and the next candle should not retest the aforementioned demand zone. As we enter Q3 of 2021, things may start to look lively for the market, but time is running out and the market needs to react quickly. So what do you think? Can Bitcoin and Ethereum survive this scare? Comment down below if you think it's going to go up or down in the next 24 hours. Next, article number three, crypto exchange Binance says it will no longer serve Ontario users. Crypto exchange operator Binance is exiting the Canadian province of Ontario amid a regulatory crackdown there. Binance announced Friday that all Ontario-based users must close out all active positions by December 31st, 2021. The Ontario Securities Commission has begun taking legal action against unregistered crypto exchanges in recent weeks, including against Bybit, Poloniex, and KuCoin. The regulator has alleged that these exchanges failed to comply with the province's securities laws. Binance's moves suggest that the crypto exchange operator does not wish to register itself with the Ontario Securities Commission and comply with the province's securities laws. In a similar move late last year, crypto derivatives exchange BitMEX also blocked all Ontario-based users to avoid the region's securities laws. As for Binance, the crypto exchange operator received another warning from Japan's financial service agency this week. The regulator said Binance is still operating in the country without registration. A Binance spokesman told the block that the company does not currently hold exchange operations in Japan, nor do we actively solicit Japanese users. The spokesperson declined to commit whether that means that Japanese users can visit the Binance website on their own and trade. So yes, what do you think about this crypto exchange Binance working in Ontario and no longer being served? Comment down below. All right, article number four. Does JP Morgan have a leg to stand on when it talks about Bitcoin? 
So American investment bank JP Morgan reiterated its bearish stance on Bitcoin earlier this week, with the firm cautioning its investors following Bitcoin's price dip. In a newsletter to its clients, the bank projected a dip below $25,000 for Bitcoin, citing the upcoming unlock of the Grayscale Bitcoin Fund. Needless to say, these projections haven't been received well by many in the community, criticizing JP Morgan as master manipulators. Analyst Lark Davis shared his opinion on this project by stating, quote, There is not a market they haven't manipulated. Now that the market is down, they've, of course, became very, very bearish. They're putting out bearish predictions, saying that we're going down to 20, 25,000. And of course, at the top, they were saying that we were going to go up to 140,000. He added, now, if Bitcoin goes down to 25000 and their initial prediction of 140000 remains true, then surely you want to buy the 25000 Bitcoin because we're going to go up to one forty. Well, here's where it's worth noting that in a recent tweet, Davis had claimed that while the daily markets were not bullish, it may not necessarily be a bad thing. Although the daily has been looking rough for Bitcoin, on the weekly charts, we are still trending above the 50-week MA. Nice as he tweeted. And in fact, Davis also stressed that buying Bitcoin in these currently bearish times is a good idea, as according to him, this is still the wider bullish market. According to him, the cryptocurrency market is likely to rally in a big way going forward. So this is the total crypto market, which has essentially just flipped previous resistance into support and is now primed from the most face mailing this rally in history. So. Circling back to the discussion on the effect of grayscale on lock on BTC's price, Davis argued that an investor is as important to keep an eye out for. A lot of variables here to say that we are definitely going to go down the 25,000 mark, he said, further making an observation regarding the buying pressure coming into the market whenever BTC has dipped below 30,000 and dips bought within a short period of time, he added, quote, the market is looking weak, so if we saw a sell-off from the grayscale investors, it would not be positive. We would definitely see the prices going down, potentially under our previous lows. So maybe 25000 is a possible target. He once again cautioned investors about a possible sell-off, claiming that is something that they should have on their radar. So what do you think about this? Do you think JP Morgan is doing some FUD news? Does JP Morgan have a leg to stand on when it talks about Bitcoin? Comment down below. All right. Uh, before we go ahead with that, let's just take a pause. I just want to say thank you again for all the listeners and watchers to this Dave's Daily Crypto Take channel. Uh, please like, share, and subscribe if you can. All the support is much appreciated, and I would love to hear from everyone. I've been looking at the analytics and I've seen people listening in the States from the West Coast to the East Coast. I even got some supporters in Europe around Switzerland, Norway, and Finland. And also thank you very much to all my Japanese um, listeners and also Asian listeners. Thank you very much. All right, let's move on to next article. American rapper, the game charged for promoting scam ICO. So, Gangster, gangster rapper J.C. Hunt Terrell Taylor, properly called The Game, has landed in trouble for allegedly promoting an unregistered initial coin offering in 2017. 
The music star faces a charge to the tune of $12 million alongside executives of the firm whose illegal ICO he allegedly promoted that year. Unfortunately for the game, his crimes were not tried in court until a recently amended official filing that the court had incriminating evidence against him. From not being a part of the trial initially to the rapper's inclusion into the lawsuit, the turn of events has been a light little dicey for the rapper. So the entire scenario began to play out when Paragon hit the world with promises to use crypto and blockchain to make the cannabis industry a mainstream one. They co-opted the game to help them promote the PRG token on his personal social media pages. One of his promotional posts had him standing with Paragon's CEO and former model, Jessica Versteeg, in a tweet where he said, preparing to revolutionize cannabis and the world. The project was a successful one as over $70 million was raised in months back in 2017. Less than a year later, the entire promotion and funds gathering, a firm that invested in our PRG token, Ashley Davy filed a lawsuit against Paragon for conducting an unregistered securities sale. They demanded that the firm refund investors, those involved in the ICO, stating clearly that Paragon was not registered with the U.S. Security and Exchange Commission. The regulators quickly jumped in, urging the firm to refund all investors their funds as the entire project was not in line with the security laws in the U.S., the game was not involved at this point yet until an amended lawsuit came by federal district judge Jeffrey S. White. According to the judge, the rapper had acted for his own gain or Paragon's gain and therefore will now be considered a member of the project. So have you ever listened to the game's uh, music? American rapper, the game charged for promoting scam ICO. Let me know if you heard about this story or not and if you're actually interested. Thanks. All right, let's move on to article number six. Should traders expect Bitcoin to fall to $24,000? So El Salvador's Bitcoin adoption has been well-received with the crypto community, and the positive sentiment may have even led to some temporary price relief in an overall bearish market. However, there seem to be certain cracks in El Salvador's vision for the future as several financial institutions and rating agencies have pointed out the risks associated with accepting Bitcoin as a legal tender. While the blacklish may have not had an immediate uh, effect on BTC's price, the weekend curse seems to have continued once again. BTC's price at press time was on a two-day low with losses of over 17% at the bears regained control of the market. At the time of writing, the king coin was trading at $30,600 down by 10% over the last 24 hours. The $31,000 level has managed to cushion sharp pullbacks in the BTC market of late, but a close below this uh, level flashed warning signs going forward. The bulls had some more leeway towards the 19 May swing low of $29,000, but rising selling pressure could see BTC challenge this defense over the next few sessions. So. MACD was denied a break above equilibrium as a bearish crossover denoted selling pressure. At one point, the directional movement index showed that bulls were on the cusp of recovery after the BTC challenged its 35K price ceiling. However, downwards pressure returned as the DMI line crossed above the 
DMI line after a breakout was denied. Further bearishness was highlighted by the ADX, which was also pointing north and confirmed a strengthening trend. A close below 28,000 would likely trigger another sell-off in the market. The lack of a strong support point below the aforementioned region might see BTC retrace towards its late January levels of 24,000, representing a further decline of 23%. There was some demand for BTC between 24 to 20K, according to the visible range, and buyers could step in at this level in case of an extended sell-off. So, conclusion, Bitcoin's failed breakout attempt above $35,400 saw sellers dominate over the past couple of days. Selling pressure could drag the king coin towards the 28K mark, and chances of an additional decline could loom large. Failing to cut losses in the region could see a further retracement towards 24,000 before buyers regain control again. So what do you think? Do you expect Bitcoin to fall 20 to 24,000? Comment down below if you think that will happen in the next few days or weeks. Okay, let's look at the main topic for today. It is why crypto will likely go crazy again in July. So it has been one hell of a month for cryptocurrency investors. Bitcoin, Dogecoin, Ethereum, they've all taken it on the chin and investors are rightfully exhausted. They're not likely to get a loss of rest next month. Elon Musk and Jack Dorsey, two of the biggest online influencers when it comes to digital currencies, will discuss Bitcoin in front of an audience on July 21st in a conference. Dorsey announced a conference called The B Word Thursday evening and Musk jumped into the conversation via Twitter. Dorsey continued the exchange. You can read it below for yourself. And eventually, Musk agreed to a conversation at the event and the panel was set up for a Friday morning. Jack tweeted, the hashtag Bitcoin development community above all else. As more companies and institutions get into the mix, we all want to help project and spread what makes hashtag Bitcoin open development so perfect. This day is focused on education and actions to do just that. Elon Musk retweeted by Curious and Jack retweeted Bizarre. Let's you and I have a conversation at the event. You can share all your curiosities. And then Jack and Elon responded for the bit curious. Very well then, let's do it. Wink, smiley emoji. And Jack retweeted, done. We'll set up with a praying hands. So what do you think about this exchange on Twitter? Dorsey has been a longtime Bitcoin backer, especially via Square in February. After Bitcoin prices had tumbled, all it took for a strong rally was news that Square had bought $170 million worth of crypto in 2018. He boldly predicted that Bitcoin would be a world currency within 10 years. Musk, meanwhile, had preternatural, uh, pre-natural uh, ability to move crypto markets with a vaguest of tweets. Dogecoin's rise and subsequent fall can in large part be accredited to his off-the-cuff comments. And Bitcoin's fall from grace earlier this year was due in part of his tweet about Tesla no longer accepting the crypto for car purchases. So depending on the scope of the conversation or the comments or even jokes of either participant, prices of Bitcoin and other cryptos could see even more volatility. So what do you think about this? Why crypto will likely go crazy again in July? The Dorsey and Musk exchange. 
let me know what you think about it down below. All right, uh, to finish this up, let's just take a look at the prices again. Uh, BTC is at $32,957, Ethereum at $1,833, Tether at number three, $1, Binance Coin at number four, $276, Cardano at number five, $1.26, Dogecoin at number six, 24 cents, XRP at number seven, 60 cents. USD coin, number eight, $1. Polkadot, number nine, $14.17. And Binance USD at number 10, $1. So there you guys have it. Thank you once again for making it this far into the video and podcast. Again, please catch me at all podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, and catch me on YouTube for the video version. Again, please like, share, and subscribe, and I'll see you in the next one. Have a great Dave's Daily Crypto Take Day. Peace.